Thank you, Samuel. <laughs> and thanks to everyone leading worship today. Thanks to all of you for being here. Appreciate the entire gathering band. And I want to say uh, another word about La Chenet, who's sitting over here to my left. As Thomas said, uh, she is famous in part because she and Thomas went to school together at Southwest Baptist Theological Seminary, right? Well, there's another reason that La Chenet is known by a growing group of people, and that is on Tuesday night, on NBC's episode of America's Got Talent, Lachanae was the closing act, and she was given a unanimous thumbs up to move on to the next round, and she was extraordinary. And I, I told Lachanae, my wife and I, we, we, we record it and regularly watch that show. We love it. And I have learned that you spell your name L-A-C-H-U-N-E, correct? So if you didn't have an opportunity to enjoy Lachanae, please do. Google America's Got Talent, put in Lachanae's name. You'll have a chance to hear the extraordinary song that you sang. I wouldn't blame you a bit if you do it during the sermon. Just try, <laughs> please, try to keep the volume down a little bit. And, and, and Ralph, please don't hold your phone up like this. I mean, this, is, this is not Brian Adams. This is Lachanae. Well, friends, I'm, I'm Mike Marshall. I'm the Elder Marshall. Uh, honored to fill in for our senior pastor, Reverend Lance Marshall, who's enjoying some time away with his family. And what a great morning for us to be in worship together. It's going to be less than 100 degrees outside today. Yeah. Tuesday is the 4th of July. Outside, after this service, DFW Brass is going to be in the garden, and they'll be playing patriotic music, and even though Lisa Helm is not here today, she made certain that we would be able to have popsicles out on Fifth Street as well. So put all this in your awareness. It's in honor of that famous phrase, baseball, hot dogs, apple pie, Chevrolet, and popsicles. I've loved the 4th of July celebration since I was a child. Two years ago, the 4th was on a Sunday, and I told you a little bit about my hometown. My hometown is the location of the Illinois State Freedom Bill. And as long as I can remember, there have been all these things happening in my hometown. Uh, parades, fireworks, carnival rides, those old-time bandshell concerts on this beautiful green area, and lots and lots of cotton candy. And sadly, at that time, none of us were aware of the greatness of Fletcher's corny dogs. But I've learned. The motto of Mount Morris is, let freedom ring. Thinking about that still makes me smile. Well, speaking of smiling, my wife and I do that whenever we remember our trip last fall to North Carolina and Virginia and Washington, D.C. As it turned out, it was a celebration both of our marriage 
and also our nation's history. Uh, we visited places like Colonial Williamsburg, which is just down the road from the College of William and Mary. We also went to Mount Vernon. Mount Vernon, the home of President George Washington, and this, this lovely parlor that he and Martha entertained their guests in. And we went to Washington, D.C., to the Washington Mall, and we walked back and forth uh, initially from the U.S. Capitol building to from the Capitol building, which is at, I learned is at one end, and then two miles in that direction, you get to the Lincoln Memorial. And as someone who was born in Illinois, I am legally required to visit that at least <laughs> once in my life. So I have done it. We also visited Monticello. Monticello, the, the home of Thomas Jefferson. And that day was really cold and rainy, and our pictures were just kind of But they had a great gift shop, and Jan bought me a couple items in the gift shop. One is my official Jefferson mug. Just holding it makes me feel a little smarter. <laughs> the other thing she got for me was this book by David McCullough, the great American historian who actually died last August at the age of 89. This book is called The American Spirit, Who We Are and What We Stand For. And I want to read you a brief section from his introduction to the book. He wrote this about five years ago. He says, I have no idea how many speeches I've given, starting at at least 50 years ago, but I do know I have spoken in all 50 states, and I am still at it. Because I always enjoy seeing our country and meeting people and listening to what they have to say. Yes, we have much to be seriously concerned about. But the vitality and creative energy, the fundamental decency, the tolerance and insistence on truth, and the good-heartedness of the American people are there still plainly. Many a time I've gone off on a speaking date feeling a bit down, and I've returned with my outlook greatly restored, having seen again and again long-standing American values still firmly in place. Good people involved in joint efforts to accomplish changes for the better the American spirit still at work. What a great phrase that is. Good people working together in joint efforts to accomplish for the better. Joint efforts. Our scripture reading this morning uses that wonderfully unique language from John's gospel to describe joint efforts from Jesus' perspective. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. Abide in me as I abide in you. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. Just kind of savor that for a minute. 
Abide in me. Make your home in Jesus. Cherish your relationship with Jesus. It makes a difference that's undeniable because we become more joyful and patient and kind and generous and compassionate because we bear fruit. The Spark Children's Bible has Jesus saying it this way, when you've joined with me in love, I will help you live the way that God wants you to live. The sermon series that Pastor Lance started a few weeks ago is called, I Have My Doubts. He's mentioned that his inspiration comes from a similar series that Pastor Adam Hamilton did a year ago at the United Methodist Church of the Resurrection in Kansas City. During these past weeks, Lance has reminded us that we all have doubts and that doubts are part of a healthy faith. And our doubts help point us toward the things that are true and the things that are life-giving. I'm sure you figured out that the uh, sermon series phrase that pays was verse 7. The verse that says, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. There's also a similar statement by Jesus in the 21st chapter of Matthew's Gospel, where it says, Whatever you ask for in prayer with faith, you will receive. Friends, I have my doubts. Since I don't want to keep you here in the sanctuary literally until the fourth begins on Tuesday, I'm going to pare down my list of unanswered prayers to a, a more manageable sampling right now. I prayed that my first pair of PF flyers would make me the fastest kid in my class. That didn't happen. I prayed that I would grow to about, be about six foot seven and have a long, distinguished NBA career. That didn't happen. I prayed that people in 1980 would say that I looked exactly like Tom Selleck from Magnum P.I. <laughs> that definitely didn't happen. I even prayed that I would pass my first test in my college business statistics course, despite the fact that I did very little studying. That didn't happen. And on a more somber note, I prayed as a child that my mother wouldn't die of pancreatic cancer in 1964. That didn't happen either. Lots of us have that last one in common. For a parent, a spouse, a child, a dear friend. I simply want to name the elephant in the room. Our prayers aren't always answered. It doesn't matter how strong our faith is, and it doesn't matter what church we belong to. We don't always get what we ask for. So why did Jesus say that? 
This topic alone could be the focus of a long, long sermon series. A few minutes this morning can barely scratch the surface. So with that in mind, I am grateful for Adam Hamilton writing a book called Why? A number of us here in this church studied that book last summer. The second chapter deals with unanswered prayers, like the one that I mentioned about my mother. Here are a handful of his teachings that I find very, very helpful. Number one, when Jesus spoke, he often used a figure of speech called hyperbole. It's an overstatement or an exaggeration to make a point. You know, like any of us saying, I'm so hungry that I could eat a horse. Hyperbole was commonly used by prophets and teachers in the first century. With Jesus, it's important that we take his words seriously, but not always literally. For example, in Matthew chapter 5, he said that if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. I don't think that Jesus was advocating for self-mutilation. I think he was saying that sin is a serious issue and we should do everything that we can to avoid it. So when we return to us asking for whatever we wish in prayer, we can use the reality of hyperbole to look at the verses in John and Matthew in a different light. We can imagine Jesus saying to us, go to God with your burdens. Be bold when you pray. Trust that God hears your prayers. And in ways we don't fully understand, God will see us through the situation we face. God will never abandon us. Number two, in the face of suffering or adversity, God's answer to our prayers is often not to deliver us or others from the suffering, but rather it is to walk with us through the suffering and then to transform that suffering and use it to change our lives. There's a Latin phrase called ora et labora. Ora et labora. It means pray and work. We pray and then we do something to help prayer be answered. I alone can't cure cancer. I alone can't keep many tragedies from happening. But I can link my heart with people. I can link my heart with you and with others, and I can help people in amazingly practical ways. Like my Aunt Kay, who took me to her house on the day that my mother died, I can still picture her face. And in my mind's eye, I can still see her Formica kitchen table that we sat together at that day. None of this implies that God never works miracles. 
It's good for us to pray for miracles. There's never anything wrong with asking. But think about it. Miracles are miracles because they're rare. Number three, when we are asking for God's intervention in our lives or in the lives of others, these things are called intercessory prayers. Adam Hamilton suggests that prayer is not primarily about intercession. He says, God is not a divine vending machine where we slip in a prayer and out pops a miracle. Prayer is much more about entering into a relationship with God. It's much more about yielding our lives to God. It's less of a transaction and much more of an investment or even a communion. It's a conversation with God, with a God who uses people to hold us tightly and reassure us that somehow everything will be okay. I am the vine, you are the branches. We are connected. We are placed in community like branches on the vine. We are blessed to have joint efforts with God, with Jesus, and with one another. We move from our personal desires, the thing about how tall we are, et cetera, et cetera, and we move toward a prayerful relationship with Christ. We trust that God will provide us with our needs much more than simply the wants that we often request. My wife Jan and I love, 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 love traveling to Fredericksburg. And we're always struck by the beauty of the Nimitz Museum. Admiral Chester Nimitz was born and raised there before serving as the Commander-in-Chief of the U.S. Pacific Fleet in World War II. Here's what his lifetime of experiences taught him about prayer. I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn to obey. I asked for health that I might do greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of people. I was given weakness that I might feel the need for God. I asked for all things that I might have life and enjoy it. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing that I asked for, but everything that I hoped for. Despite myself, my unspoken prayers were answered. I am, among all people, most richly blessed, and we are as well. Let us pray. We thank you, God, for all the ways 
that you remind us of your loving presence, for all the ways that you draw us into community, and for the gift of prayer that creates a relationship with you, with Jesus, and with our sisters and brothers in this room and throughout the world. We are grateful. We are your grateful children today. And we offer our prayer in the name of Jesus, who teaches us to pray as we say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.